All right. Welcome back. I'm messing with lights, so I am all over the place. And just like this intro, this entire show is just going to be off the cup and whatever we want it to be. Um, as you can see, we have a few less faces than normal, but that's totally okay. I'm going to give you my subpar best, as I always do. And below me, we have John, the tactic, USL Tactics man himself. John, how you doing? Ed, doing well. Happy to be back after missing that fun uh, Crest Talk last week. And above him is Sir Ryan. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you today, Kaler? You know, I'm doing okay. I cannot complain whatsoever. I mean, I could, but I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that at some point because I'm not very good about complaining silently. So we have a whole lot to possibly talk about, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of news around the USL, but there's uh, almost uh, not a lot to talk about, I guess, in a weird way. Because there's kind of USL news. There's kind of not with Harry in the chat right now. Um, we have, I mean, San Antonio has created a tizzy by basically just teasing the fact that they have a black kit coming. So... All right, this is a kit show and obviously a crest show. Also, we have a lot of crests that have been announced recently. We obviously have to talk about that because we are the all-knowing, you know, authority on such. Um, black kits, yay or nay? I don't know. I think it depends on the design and everything that they kind of go with. I guess one of the best examples is uh, Borussia Dortmund had a, a black kit, I think, this season that I thought looked pretty decent. But again, I think it's just down to how the design plays out. If you're like integrating the black and the gray tones in a way where like there's some differentiation, there's more than just like a straight up black t-shirt, I like it. And I think that San Antonio set a decent precedent with that kit, with the um, sort of like Spurs rodeo shirt inspired uh, Chevron that they dropped the other day. I'm slightly worried that this one's going to be dull, but I don't hate the idea in a vacuum. It's it's Puma, right? They they should be. Yeah. They. Uh, okay, listen. Here's my Puma take. We were so excited when Puma joined, and then suddenly be Puma became the USL template team, just like Adidas did templates for MLS. And then, because everybody had the same honeycomb shirt. Oh, you have Puma. Your keeper is wearing honeycomb. Unless you're Indy Eleven, it's like your whole team's wearing honeycomb. And I think uh, New Mexico had the honeycomb as well. It's like, yeah. Why? I get that they're different colors, but at least make them look a little bit more different. Come on, guys. <laughs> as an well, Indi, like as an Indy guy, I think it was so disappointing with record like launching with Diodora, who's a less well-known brand, but getting the checkerboard right out the gate, which is what everybody in the city wanted, to then like get to the point where you basically are just wearing a glorified training kit. And yeah, you earn the right to get those more customized sorts of products as you get a relationship with a manufacturer, but boy, it's boring to see the same kind of template across the league. I mean, that's when you get uh, stuff like what Hummel has done for Ford Madison, what San Diego Loyal has done this year with who they've signed with. It's escaping my name, but it's the same kit manufacturer as Tijuana. 
has, and you even have a few really creative ones across um, across in England. I think uh, I've been a big fan of what uh, the Wolves manufacturer has done this year. It's escaping my name again on that one, but uh, like if you just have these variety of kits across the league, you're either going to have really creative ones or you're going to have really dull ones, and that's just going to be how it plays out across the numerous different manufacturers. Everything can't be all crazy, but Adidas this year certainly has tried with MLS. You know, okay, so Legion, by all accounts, has a pretty boring shirt. I know that. I totally understand that some people don't like it because it's not flashy. But for me, um, I don't, I'm not really big into the whole flashy shirt as much. Like, I, I respect Ford Madison shirts. I don't buy them because I could never wear them because I couldn't pull it off. I know a, the black or white or red Legion shirt looks, it's one plain color. So I can just throw on some blue jeans with it and it looks fine. I don't look like an absolute fool. <laughs> you know what I mean? It also lasts. But I will say with the Loyal, they partner with Rocket League, which I think is pretty sick. Um, they, uh, I mean, it's, it's one of my all-time favorite video games. It's how, strangely enough, I got any kind of weird recognition in the USL world, which is weird. Um, so I enjoy that. I'm probably going to buy one just because it's going to have Rocket League on the front. And like I said, I'm a simp for a good, you know, kit. And it says Rocket League on the front, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> And even, uh, like, I know we all talk about, like, how we all have a love of crazy kits, but sometimes what makes, like, the most iconic kits is just the simplistic design. I mean, and I speak to this as a Tottenham supporter, that it's just you have a white shirt or Manchester United's red shirt's pretty iconic. The same with Liverpool, Chelsea, all of those clubs have, have iconic kits. Just that it's the kit, that's the kit. It doesn't always have to be these flashy, let's change it up every year. Sometimes the best designs are just the simplest. I mean, Kayla, your university has a number as their helmet, and it's arguably yep. one of the most iconic helmets in college football. Yeah, it's nice. It's it's one of the nice things. And I guess that's kind of where my love for simple stuff comes into play. But even though I could talk kits all day long, and we well, really will. Teaser, I, do, I do want to ask you real quick, how are you feeling about the uh, main shirt sponsorship with Birmingham? Um, So it looks really good uh, with the red shirt, the red uh, shirt with the Coca-Cola, white Coca-Cola across. I mean, it looks nice. It looks kind of like a can of Coca-Cola, but it, it's simple. It gets the job done. Um. It, a lot of fans absolutely love it because it has the Magic City in the middle. The one that's weird is the black shirt because it looks like a can of like Coke Zero. Um, <laughs> it's it's different. I don't hate it. It's There's something strange to me, though, about black, gold, white, and red. It That's kind of what comes with the territory of sponsoring with coca-cola but i wish the branding on the black shirt was also white but it's okay it's like um was it pittsburgh or charlotte that had or not charlotte uh, charleston that have the black and gold i think it was charleston and then it's green text across the chest yeah i think so it's gross i mean it's a nice shirt but the green text is gross and i will say for legion the body armor 
one because that's just another sub brand of coca-cola the body armor is on the white shirt it's a good look i really like it the only thing it's missing is some three sparks on there and it's absolute perfection so there was uh an interesting uh soccer comment because we actually do that sometimes um i don't know which one of y'all want to take a crack at this maybe this is a john comment or you know ryan as well uh you know, what do we think about uh, Pittsburgh in general? And, you know, is uh, Silva a step up? Yeah, so I can go ahead and pop in with that one. My, like, statistics-wise, um, I really, really rate what they got out of Idiello last season. He was roughly 10%, top 10% of the league in terms of performance. Like, very solid save numbers. And then just watching them. He was the kind of guy who just commanded the area around the net really strongly, helped to organize a defense that often changed between like a back two or a back three. So having someone like a Silva who's a bit younger come in is certainly going to be a bit of a transition. And especially like you're losing Preston Kilween, uh, Jordan Dover doesn't seem like he's back. So as much as I love what Pittsburgh has done in the rest of the pitch, I think the defense and the goalkeeping are a bit of a question if there is an area to question for the Riverhounds. Which but... is weird. Right. That's a weird... The the day, though, like, it's Bob Lilly, so you could throw, like, two cardboard cutouts there, and they're going to be fine. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, it's Lilly Bowl. He always knows how to build a tactically great defensive scheme. And if that, it's weird that that is one of the weaknesses, but it certainly wasn't today as Pittsburgh got a 2-0 victory over Indy 11 in a preseason game with Cicerone and, and USL legend Dane Kelly getting both of those goals. I don't know how your numbers think about him, John, but Cicerone is one of the best USL players I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. I The fact, and this is funny because I'm wearing this shirt, but Cicerone was one, the one player back in 2018 FC Cincinnati that I wish got more playing time because he was better than some of the people who were running out there, <laughs> Audi. Um, and then just why didn't he make the jump to MLS? Why hasn't anybody given him? Because he's a freak. I mean, he's one of those guys that he looks like he could at least be somewhere on the bench at least give him a trial opportunity but it doesn't even seem like he's getting that because he's just signing for he's signed for pittsburgh right away anyway so either he's content with not going to mls or no one's giving him the chance which both seem borderline ridiculous to me <laughs> you could argue the same with uh like i'd love to see bob Williams having a chance at going into mls and have a chance to run an mls team there are multiple coaches at a usl level that i think could very well coach at an mls level if given the opportunity i'd love to see like what would you do if you gave bob lily the helm at st louis city and like if say build your club let's see what you can do just pick your 26 players from across the world if you want to call up from usl pick from mls i'd love to see hey, what their tactical minds would think about just creating an MLS team with such a higher budget as well. I mean, let's look at some like Birmingham's Tommy Sohn. I mean, he's a U.S. Open Cup winner. <laughs> like, I, I think Jay Heaps as well. I mean, it's not like there's not quality coaches down here. I mean, okay, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but 
Johan Dame, uh, who's at uh, Los Dos now, I really rate him as a coach. I think he is a really good coach. I like what I see out of him stylistically. I liked that he was able to at least make Cincinnati look like less of a dumpster fire at times. And what I like about him too is that everybody loves him and everybody loves the academy thing. I don't know if he should have a go at MLS quite yet, but these are the kind of guys we have around who could be the future of MLS coaching. You don't always have to have a guy who directly comes from just some front office or just gets promoted within like, oh, here's a here's an assistant coach that was at a successful team. Let's promote him because he obviously knows what he's doing. You know, there's a lot of these guys in the USL that could tear it up as a coach. Yeah, I mean, you spoke to, I think, two things, just to go back to the Cicerone point real quick. He's such an intelligent player where he's not going to blow you away necessarily on the face of things with like the athleticism or even the technical skill in certain aspects of the game. And I think that's why he's probably not got the chance at MLS. But in terms of like where he's making his runs, that sort of thing, he's completely up to snuff, completely above average at that level. So sort of an interesting consideration when like someone like a Tyler Pasher who immediately is going to blow you away because he's one of the fastest players out there. But um, just to go back to the coaching thing, like you can't imagine that someone like a Bob Lilly wouldn't be successful in MLS. And speaking to that question about where is it harder to coach, I guess there's more of a spotlight in MLS, but not really just because of the nature of soccer in this country. USL gives you so much more of a challenge in my mind in terms of building that roster with such a different kind of contract structure that you're dealing with, less resources overall, a bit more funkiness with travel and injuries and benefits and that sort of thing, where if you're an MLS coach, you kind of don't have to worry about that sort of thing, but it almost, to me, takes on a more all-encompassing kind of responsibility in the USL. It, I'm kind of torn on it because my brain tells me it's harder in the USL because you don't have the same kind of resources. But that said, coaches like Alan Koch exist, which he's doing pretty well in you know Edmonton now with CPL, which is not too far off from being the USL. If we're being you know brutally honest, they're not that much better. If they are better, um. I just don't I just don't know. For example, 2018, 2018 FC Cincinnati just bought talent. They just simply bought talent, which you can't do that in MLS. There's too many rules to keep you from hoarding talent. I mean, the rules that would probably keep the Miami FC from paying um, you know, eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars for Richie Ryan. That I don't know if that would have happened in MLS or at least something of the same concept. You know, it's not one for one exactly, but that same idea of just let's just spend a lot of money on the best talent. Those are DPs. If, if someone can correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like I'm maybe I'm remembering that there's a cap in max spending the USL can do, but with enough 
finagling of numbers, you know, there's nothing stopping USL teams from creating all-star teams if they wanted, which there are a lot of things in MLS that keep you from doing that. I think one of the things that I would give credence to make it more complicated for MLS is just the management of just, I'd say more management of locker rooms, just because you have these players that are coming in. Like if you would talk about, Oh, like the LA Galaxy when you had it's someone with like the attitude of like ego or in, of like a Zlatan Ibrahimovic, or you have all of these big stars like managing those designated players that you know are above and beyond, and and everyone else on the team or at least should be in terms of pay scale and everything. I feel like that's a very tough dynamic to try and manage within a locker room that you basically are pointing to these three or so players that you guys are these franchise players. You guys are the key to the team this year where I think it's uh, within USL, you have that more across, you know, there's probably differences in pay and in skill level across that, but it's still like, it's more of like, you have to build a better environment, like a more cohesive environment across a USL team, which is obviously very challenging to try and please an entire locker room of players in terms of playing time and, and other treatment. I don't want to get us, <laughs> to derail, but I don't know how much further we have on this conversation. We can always come back to it, but I feel like it'd be very wrong of us if we didn't discuss Vermont's new crest. Um, it's what the people come here for us for. Um, which there's a lot of USL news now that I'm doing another scavenge. I mean, uh, Fuego has announced like everybody. Uh, there's a lot of League One news because League One don't stop. There's only like eight teams or like 10 teams, but they do not stop signing players ever. But I mean, or is everybody kind of with me that the new Vermont crest is an S tier? I mean, or is anybody just that font might be my favorite thing that I've seen in a while. Just off the bat. I quite like it. It's just one of those crests. You could tell they put a lot of thought into it, just that it fits the brand. It fits just kind of that theme they're going for. And I think it's a really nice crest. Let me, something that I thought was really cool. If you go and look at their sketches that they made of it, because I think the Matthew, um, like he knows last name, bless it. Um, anyway, basically he does, he released all of the different designs that they had came up with and they talked about. And the thing that the smiley face that's on, on the mountains, a good touch. If you look at the other designs, it was supposed to just be a black circle that circled around the mountain. And instead of making it a black circle, they just cut off a little edge and made a smiley face. So if you continue the black line, it just continues the circle like they originally planned. Which, cool little detail. And now that I see it, I love that it's there, that the smile lines up. Awesome. I I'm a big fan. I am a big, big fan of it. Smiling Mountain. Somebody somebody kind of made the joke of like, was does the S tier stand for summer camp? And I'm like, listen, a summer camp in Vermont sounds like a dream. Come on. Like, come on. That sounds awesome. <laughs> could also be skiing. It could also be skiing. Yeah, Vermont any time of year, honestly. Underrated. Sorry, I'm <laughs> My fiance's to the left of me, and I've been trying to talk her into moving to Vermont 
as of recently and it's always been no and so i was hoping that she heard that comment so (laughs) (laughs) and she's giving me that look all right i'm gonna shut up um ryan we obviously the fans can't see the uh chat or our private chat but what's kind of your what's this uh 90 50 10 predictions so I had saw this on uh, the Formula One uh, subreddit, and I thought it would be a pretty interesting idea that you could have here that I wanted to bring. So you would be making three predictions that for the season, one that you think have a 90% chance of occurring, one that you think has a 50% chance of occurring, and then one that you think has a 10% chance of occurring. So these aren't necessarily you think all three will happen. You're just like tiering it in a way, and I thought it'd be an interesting discussion point for USL, like for example, for a 10% chance, I think we have a 10% chance, roughly you're speaking, that their USL team would make the semifinals of the Open Cup this year. Okay. Okay. I like this. So let's feels, get to- Let's start with that, actually. Yeah. I'm, I Let's start that, with that one. That feels high. Does I it? I hate to say it. I, I don't know. I, I, who off the dome can remember the farthest that a USL team has gone recently? Cincinnati. Let's see Cincinnati 20, uh, That's right. Okay. or 2017. And even in that same year, the Miami FC, they were in NASL at the time, also had a pretty deep run. Quarterfinals. Um, uh, since he knocked them out of it, actually. So we were guaranteed a lower tier team to be in the semifinals, no matter what, to go against Red Bulls, which semi just – or since he bottled it, because we should have seen that coming. Um, and then in 2019, you had uh, St. Louis, who lost in the quarterfinals, and uh, New Mexico United, who lost in the quarterfinals as well. But they, I think the key with that is when you get to the semifinals, you basically have to get through three or so MLS teams on that way. Right. It just feels like the burden of getting through that many rounds with these kind of weird midweek matches. And yeah, the MLS teams probably aren't giving their fullest. Man, I don't know. 10% feels about right now that I'm considering it. My brain is telling me Loose City. Loose City would be the team to do it. Or Sacramento. Something about Sacramento screams, we're going to make a U.S. Cup run. I feel like it's always strange, like especially with the cups. You, always, I think, especially in USO, we have that instances where do you focus on the cup or do you focus on the league? And there've been clubs who, admittedly, they would sacrifice one over the other. Or we had this debate when Cincinnati was making their run that, like, if you're Cincinnati, you're leading the Eastern Conference right now, but you're also in the semifinals of the Open Cup. Do you go all out for possibly winning the Open Cup, or do you go for? Maybe a more sure bet of winning the Eastern Conference and winning the USL. Let me tell you, <laughs> I remember this is a deleted tweet. So if anybody knows how to use that deleted tweet um, uh, thing, you might be able to find it. But after since he lost to Red Bulls uh, first team in the Open Cup, like a week or two later, we lost the Baby Bulls because that's when they were still ridiculously good. Um, and so their baby bulls account tweeted out something along the lines of, Hey, Cincy, we have a PDL team. If you want to give it a shot or (laughs) something like that. And I was like, well, this just hurts. Like that, that was just uncalled for. (laughs) FC Cincinnati did just gain a second team. Now all they need is a first team in the city. Oh, 
Um, <laughs> so, okay. What was the other one? 50%? Yeah, what would be something you think has a 50% likelihood of occurring? I, I tossed in the uh, 10% one, so I want to hear your guys' opinion on a 50% likelihood one. I'll throw out a 50 or and um, relevant. I was on um, the San Antonio podcast with Harry recently, and I was sort of expressing some pessimism about Orange County. So I'm going to give it a 50-50 chance that they even make the playoffs at this point. Ooh, I don't hate that. I would have it higher. And it's the defending champs, keep in mind, of course. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have them as the 90% because that would just be wrong. But yeah, if we're going by this 90, 50, 10 or 10, 50, 90, yeah, 50 is, they just don't feel like, even though this is largely the same team, it feels like it, maybe if I haven't been keeping up correctly, but it felt like the team came together for a magical run and that's kind of all I had in it. And I don't know if that's harsh or not, but that's how it feels. I'm sorry to you know, to everybody in orange and black, I love you guys, but it felt like one magical run, which I'm sure those guys, um, um, I'm sure those guys would definitely not trade anything for that cup though. I mean, call it one magical run. I mean, it's what most all teams should be striving to do. Should be looking at you, Toros. (laughs) (laughs) So the argument on my end, I guess, on the pessimistic side of things where you've lost Eric Calvillo, who was so important to what they were doing just in terms of like the buildup and controlling the midfield, Rob Kiernan, who played almost 32 games for them as a center back is gone. And yeah, you've got Kobe Henry, but that's still a big loss. And Henry is young. They're replacing Alston who got a lot of games as a fullback you like some of the talent that's coming in and especially like Kubo Torres is the big name mm-hmm. at the same time. He scored like three goals in three years or something silly like that. And people are talking about the signing as if he's almost looking towards becoming or moving into like the youth coaching area. So it's, I think they're going to be competitive for me, but just given how sharp the West is and how deep a lot of the teams at the top of that division have become, I don't know. And that grinded out style that you spoke to where they had let them go on that magic run, 32 games of that where you're defending with your full heart every single game for 90 minutes, that's tiresome over the course of a really hard USL season. So that's sort of why I'm doubting at this point. I'll toss in another fun uh, 50%. I think at 50%, we have at least two players who score over 20 goals in the season. Only dating back to 2016, they only had two seasons, not including the short in 2020 year, that we had no players score more than 20 goals. And that was 2017 and 2016. Each of the past couple years that we've had a full season, you've had at least two players score 20 goals. All right, uh, we after the year of last year, it's hard not to say Audrey Berry. I mean, I wasn't naming I, names. I was just saying I, that two I'm, players at least get 20 goals. I'm just trying to think of who else. My, my brain says... If you wanted to know the other ones, it was, 
uh, Sebastian Guanzotti, Cameron Lancaster, and Kyle Murphy were the four players you had at least 20 goals last year. Nico Brett was short at 18. I would say, ooh, you know what? Kyle Murphy, surrounded by a better team, will either give him more goals or take away goals from him. And I'm not sure which one it is. Because him being around a team that's not revolves solely around him, maybe he doesn't score as much. I don't know. Um, what's a 90? What's a, I feel like I'm in charge of the 90 now. Uh, I mean, it, it feels like... Uh, I mean, Louisville City makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals again. Is... <laughs> Because they're they're inevitable at this point, or if you want to make it a true ninety, make it Louisville City or Tampa Bay make it to the Eastern Conference Final. I feel like that's the only the only almost that feels un- that one feels unassailable. The, I don't I can see Louisville not making the conference final just because it has to happen at some points. And I mean, if you think about how good Birmingham looks, Bob Lilly, as we talked about, like. We just spoke on Miami and bringing in Kyle Murphy and Mark Segbers and all of that. There's competition in the East, and I think it's taken a step up, even relative to last season. But, okay, I mean, geez, they have to be the favorite for it, right? I have a good 90%, a 9%er, because it's no 100%, but it's close. Vegas Lights will fill the team this year. <laughs> Can't guarantee it. <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> I've always been interested in this. And you were talking about uh, Louisville and Tampa Bay. How about this? What collection or how many teams in USL would you have to combine together that their odds to win USL Cup would be better than picking the field? College football loves to do this, where it's like you take Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, or the field. It's pretty likely one of those four teams would get it over the field. So what amount of teams and who – would you take to like bundle their odds together where you would take them over taking the field? Now, are we Tampa talking about Blue, Phoenix? Are you talking about enough? the cup or are you yeah, talking just about when USL cup? Like if you I, bundled together Tampa Bay, Louisville, Phoenix, Sacramento, would you take those four over the field? I would take the field there. I'd take that for some, I think. I think and I would take hard. the field. I think if you made it three, or if you made it one more, I would take them. But I think... Who's your fifth team, I guess? My fifth team? I'm a big believer in New Mexico. I genuinely... I think that... I think the East is a slaughterhouse this year, personally. I think that whoever comes out of the East will probably be the favorite. But I think New Mexico won't have the easier road, but their playoffs, I feel like the low of the good in the West is lower than the low of the good in the East, if that makes sense. So New Mexico has a better chance of making it. I think if you add in New Mexico, I would take the five, but I think I would take the field over them because Phoenix does some wacky crap where they're going to, where they like to lose, you know, they, that's just kind of their MO as losing in the playoffs. Um, I don't know. That's hard. But that's a tough one. I feel like even with USL, oh, I think less so than MLS, but more so than the Premier League, USL is top 
heavy, but not to the point where it's like you can only pick like six teams to win. I still feel like we saw from last year, Orange County was probably not one that you would take in the top five. That's a field. teams to win, but they field still team. ended up winning. But I, it's not, I don't think it's too wide open to the point of MLS where like you could probably pick out like 20 teams who have a chance at winning it and could still end up lifting the cup. I still feel like this year you're still very top heavy to a point where or you could probably narrow it down to about seven teams and you would have a better than not chance it's going to be one of those seven teams. Especially when you have teams like Louisville who make the Eastern Conference Final pretty much every year they've been in existence. Look, I mean, this is a really interesting conversation. I really like this. We can claim I, – I listen, I will gladly take the East Coast um, – East Coast bias throw out. You know, I <laughs> – I, I don't get to watch as much West as I like to, like as much as I would want to. I watch a good bit of West in my free time, but even then it's kind of half watching, half doing other work. But here's here's what confuses me, and maybe John, you can answer this. You and a lot of people have Sacramento really high up. I, what signings have they made that makes them different from last year? Because I thought they were really good last year and then they didn't perform. So now I'm just confused. So the argument with Sacramento is that that team last season was pretty much the same team in terms of the core players that they've been rolling out for three or four years at that point in consistently at least. And so it had gotten stale. And when you're thinking about the issues that that team had on the pitch, so much of it came in the final third, where defensively they were one of the better sides in the league, or at least above average, and like not shipping bad goals for the most part. But then they would advance it past the midfield. You're missing a number 10 type. The forward play was a little bit uninspired. The finishing was bad. And so what they've done is completely rebuild that midfield to get a Rodrigo Lopez, who's despite his age, one of the better creators in the division, Matt LaGrasa, proven number 10 type in the USL and has done it with Nashville and MLS. Nick Ross is a deep progressor. And then Zico Lewis, who you would know from Charleston, certainly. So you've added all these really effective players in that sort of position. Douglas Martinez coming in at the striker spot. He's an absolute stud. The big reason for me that uh, Real Monarchs won that title that they got because he was just so effective as this complete physical forward. And they brought in Luther Archimede, who I think really has breakout potential from the Red Bull system. As pacey as all get out, he can stretch a defense. He's going to come on late in games and just tear you apart. So you've got all that where you've kind of broken that issue of the staleness you've put together for me the best midfield collection of players in the entirety of the USL. And you've got enough lottery tickets at forward that I'm sold on it. To me, that feels like a team that is going to be really good. And I think one guy to watch in terms of that defense where they have made some changes is Lee Desmond at the center back spot. Lots of experience in Ireland, especially, I believe. 188 appearances. Yeah. From what I've heard from people who are sort of in the know with that, he has just been super impressive in their preseason camp, stepped up in terms of that leadership. 
So from top to bottom. Oh, and then we talked about Danny Vidiello. He's the new goalkeeper in Sacramento. So every single tier of this team has improved for me. And they've done it in a way that just feels tactically comprehensive as well. So I'm just sold on the vision there. Can I drop? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, I was just saying, I completely agree. I would argue that Sacramento is basically, they've rebuilt a USL team the way you should probably rebuild one. They've brought in a lot of talent that are proven at an international or at a USL level. And I feel like they should definitely be at least a top three team in the Western Conference, if not toss them into that same foursome of you should be winning the cup this year. I'm going to toss out one 90%. One more 90%. And this should be a fun conversation, I think, anyway. I think it's 9% chance that at least one League One team is going to be the championship team in the Open Cup. I think the good yeah. of League One is a lot better than the, are the bottom feeders of the championship. And that's somewhat putting a little bit of pressure on owners of the championship who are being cheap for some reason but part of that is leak one is good like really freaking good and i don't know if it'll be like greenville versus uh oakland that feels unlikely to me but it's a home match for greenville and you know that place if you haven't made out to a greenville triumph match i mean it is nuts they are they are the real deal when it comes to home support but Somebody, somebody is going to slip up against the League One team. And I feel like there's a chance that we might see a League One team really embarrass a championship team this year. So there, here, I'll list out the meetings between USL League One and USL Championship. There are a few uh, USL NISA or USL oh, with other teams, but we have Charleston and South Georgia, Colorado Springs and Northern Colorado. El Paso and Fuego, Tucson and Vegas, Triumph and Oakland, Louisville City and Chattanooga Red Wolves, North Carolina FC and RGV. Then, so out of those teams, how many do you think pull off an upset? I'd say at max three. My heart said two. My instant Tucson reaction Vegas was two. Money. I would put, I would gamble on Tucson beating Vegas. <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so you've got one in the bank, at least in my estimation. I tossed um, North Carolina beating RGV. North Carolina's made more improvements this year, and we've seen it's yet to be seen how much improved RGV will be this season. But I could see North Carolina pulling off an upset. And I think a lot of this is it's going to be down to where this game is being played. North Carolina is hosting it to an RGV team who has to travel that way. Oakland has to make the cross-country trek to Greenville. And oftentimes within these Open Cup matches, it's down to where, like, who is hosting this game, how much travel does this team have to do. And that's just enough to toss the team off their game if they have to play a league match at home and then travel halfway across the country to play a midweek game that it may be something that a coach says, let's just rotate through players here. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, Red I Wolves. I think Northern Colorado could honestly, it depends how much Colorado Springs wants to put into it. 
I'm I'm a big believer in him and Zayed. Like Irvin Para knows how to navigate a USL championship defense. If you're talking about the Northern Colorado roster, that wouldn't shock me to see. But at the same time, it's such a crapshoot to be projecting these games from this far out. I don't know. I see a couple of these definitely coming off. I really like the squad Fuego has made recently. They've made a a couple just real deal signings. The one that I got a few DMs about was this recent signing that they made from the Barca Academy in Arizona. And I feel like they have a few, there's a few guys that have come out of that academy. And obviously any player coming out of a Barca Academy, duh. <laughs> you know, that's that's gonna be something to look out for. But I mean, I think there are just players all around that are just making headlines. I mean, what was it today? Red Wolves announced the guy. Uh it's the Puerto Rican captain, right? Yeah, Cardona, Cardona. Who, uh, got about a dozen games with Charlotte or uh, Hartford last season in the championship. And that makes a second Puerto Rico player with Jane Cervania uh, now in North Carolina, another team we just talked about. I don't think Red Wolves are going to beat Loose City, but I think this year is going to be really fun because we're going to see just how competitive they can be because I, th- I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just happy to have the tournament back. No kidding. Absolutely. There's for me, there is no better sporting day on the calendar than that round when we get championship teams against League One teams. Or like there's something about jumping between bad YouTube streams, taking in like Mississippi Brilla upset matches that is just the best of American soccer for me. Let me tell you, the Brilla live rent free in my mind just because there is a goalkeeper of Jordan Bell who was there for like a year when in like 20, oh, what year was that? 2017, I think. And he played the hammers and he kept coming out of the box He because he's a goalkeeper. He was just going halfway up and we kept chanting at him the whole time. And he was awesome. People loved him. We there were a lot of Birmingham Hammers fans that drove to Miami with a TIFO of Jordan Jordan Bell because we all love the dude. I love the Brilla so much just because of stupid, weird fourth division rivalry. I don't know. Like I got a good laugh out of him because I told him that Scotland was the worst uh country in the UK and that and then he immediately backed it's up England. into the box. So <laughs> I feel like I did that. So, <laughs> but so, go ahead, Ryan. It's just a great tournament to come back. There are just so many great stories, and it's some. It's one of the like pinnacle days of just being a U.S. soccer fan that you need to pay attention to and just need to watch. It's it's the third oldest cup competition in the world, and that's something rare within soccer within this country that we can claim in something as old as. Uh, that in the likes of the British Isles within Europe. And it's just, it's really something we should be proud of as a nation to have a competition like this with, with so many good stories like the Florida Soccer Soldiers, Chrisos, Old Kitsap Pumas, and all of these cup sets. They make for just great history for this sport. So there was one other thing I wanted to discuss 
And before we let John go, because he has a heart out very soon. Um, oh, man. Now I'm struggling to find the player. Uh, Nicholas, uh, I think it's Molina or Molina. Uh, he just signed for a team in League One, and he was the Golden Boot winner for League Two. Let me tell you, I watched this guy's tape um, because I had him on my list of players I wanted Legion to scout and sign. He is going to tear up League One. Remember the name, like Nicholas Molina. It is, ugh, it is. Uh, he's he's the real deal. But John, you have so a hard real out. quick. Yeah. So I think just a couple real quick things to hit on. Molina had actually trialed with Oakland earlier in the preseason, from what I understand, and like scored goals. And this is an Oakland team that needed a forward. So like. There were teams sniffing this guy. He's gonna be good, but uh, I, yeah. yeah, go yeah, go for it. I really like, um, I really like the guy. His his tape is real. His tape is the real deal. But we're not done yet, as far as I know. But John has a hard out. So, what do you have to say to the to the, all the people at home? What are what are your closing thoughts for you? Yeah. So. Just real quick and kind of randomly, but that's what I do with this segment. Um, I saw Scott in the comments kind of mention jumping over from the PHNX uh, Phoenix Rising stream. So that's just for me an example of how USL is growing, where one of the like ascendant sports media organizations in the Phoenix area, like I love the Arizona Coyotes coverage has a show devoted to the Phoenix rising where they're coming with live streams all the time that are like professionally produced. That's completely amazing. So just to see that sort of thing popping up in Phoenix and all of the amazing coverage we get across the league is a joy. And to be even a small part of that through this show has just been amazing. So a nice little positive uh, parting thought here. It's a positive thought because we're not talking about the Coyotes actually playing hockey. So <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. And with that, <laughs> did you and do? <laughs> See you, John. Hope it gets better. <laughs> so, God, I really, I really, really want to have because John started doing this cool thing where he started comparing uh, NHL players or USL players to NHL players. And I would love to get more of those uh, kind of. Um, connections made or like just other sports and comparing them to soccer players because i think for a lot of new fans getting a good comparison in would be really cool and john had some really cool stuff i think uh it was brian ownby he had as the best defending striker or the best defending offensive player in the usl which i forget which trophy that is in the nhl because they have like a thousand of them <laughs> they the, the one thing that the nhl loves more than fighting which they don't even love fighting anymore is just handing out trophies for everything best offensive defender best defensive offensive player just if there's if you can think of it there's a trophy that sounds like, uh, I guess, midway or uh, end of season, a USO superlatives episode. That sounds – I'm going to message John. We need to have that. That sounds awesome. And not even just that. It could be superlatives for, like, best goals or just, like, a midseason awards episode. I, I think that uh, leads into another – like, if we're talking about things that I would love to see within U.S. soccer, and I think this has been – 
it's been tossed around as an idea in the past. And then the past couple of seasons with everything else has kind of derailed the idea of it. But I would love to see a USL all-star game. Oh my God. Yes. Like literally like, East versus West. That's yeah. All hosted at like hosted at Louisville, go to Sacramento, like just pick like a team to host uh, an all-star game in the middle of the year or have like a fan vote. You pick player, at least one from every team. You you treat it like MLB does their all-star game. So you have the managers of both uh, either do like the host team as one manager and then whoever's leading the other opposite conference as the other manager. And just like one week, you just have an all-star game. Let it be like a celebration of soccer. Like I would love to see a, you do a USL one all-star game. Like you just have, you pick 22 players across the league for that that starting lineups. And then you do, an east and west one just have them both at the same location and let that be like a true celebration of the league like if you hold it at like a central spot like a louisville or you hold it somewhere f- or warm like the tampa bay or something i feel like that would be a really good display for the league so this is a horrible idea so don't if you're if you're the people at uslhq this is either a great idea or a horrible idea but don't listen to me either way imagine if it was tournament style and it was League One East versus uh, Championship East. And then whoever wins, you know, they go on to the finals and they take on the League One West versus the Championship West. And they meet together for a full match. Uh, granted, you couldn't do that in back-to-back days. This is not like the NBA All-Star game where they just go to 50 and then they just go move on in the tournament. You know, tired legs are a thing. But maybe make it something like a, a shorter a shorter match. Maybe it's only a 60 minute match or something of the sort, unlimited substitutions or hear me out. We create, it's, it's literally a five aside. It's just a five aside tournament. I mean, there's so much potential. I thought you were going to say for, instead of a celebrity all-star game, you pick like each team takes a podcaster at that team and have it be a lower division podcaster all-star game. That would be hysterical. That would be okay. So Geo's getting picked up first. We all know how that's going to end up working. Um, it's going to be would only one of us get picked? Oh God, who we have six? So one of us would have to be the manager of the five aside team. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine a USL podcast celebrity game and we all have to play in it? <laughs> God, that'd be so freaking. Oh, I mean, God. when I went to the uh, one of the cool things when I went to the MLS All Star Game in 2015, uh, that was when uh, the All Stars were playing Tottenham. They had a supporters group, like each supporters group across the country for Tottenham. They played on Colorado Rapids fields and just did a supporters All Star or like supporters tournament, which I thought was a cool lead up to the day. But one of the ideas that I really enjoyed there was they had an MLS uh, next game, uh, not next, like an MLS U- Young Stars game, which is basically the U23 All-Star team going up against the Club America U23 All-Star teams. And I thought that was such a really cool event that you saw a lot of like, it was basically like the MLS 2 All-Stars at the time were playing against uh, Club America's All-Stars. And with the MLS season already trying to, already doing like an MLS versus League MX All-Star game, I feel like that would be something would be a fun display. So it's proven that you can do an all-star team at this level, even if you have to tie it within the MLS all-star game. But I can understand why the league would want to showcase the league itself and not tie it to say 
okay, we're going to play this as like a precursor to an MLS All-Star game. We would like to have it at Louisville or Sacramento or somewhere. I think the USL, while I love that it takes itself seriously, I think sometimes, you know, diving into the more silly fun side, like All-Star games, just doing ridiculous crap. I mean, guys that I think could be like really fun. I mean, could you imagine, especially when we had the biggest contingency, you know, other guys that moved away, but like it's like skills matches and you just have all the Brazilians and Jamaicans just like hanging out with each other. Like, especially the Jamaican, like Jamaican players are all best friends, every single one of them. And just seeing all of them just going head to head um, and doing like some skills challenge, just trying to outdo each other. I mean, just watching other people have fun would be fun. And at the very least, soccer is one of those sports that I feel like an all-star game could potentially, it wouldn't be as watered down of a game as the Pro Bowl is. It would not be as poor a display or as poor a product that a league would put on the field as the Pro Bowl. I feel like it would be at least somewhat competitive. It might not be a full speed game. Like I, There have been a few MLS all-star games in the past where it wasn't it was a preseason European club just getting into form, and it was a team of MLS All-Stars who have been practicing together for about four days. But I still feel like it would be something entertaining that people would want to watch. Ooh. Now, do a NASCAR is... game and let Bolt play up front. <laughs> that would be so freaking funny. Bolt, if you're in the chat, we have a proposition, we have a proposition for you. Um, I'm trying to think, what's another... Now, this is assuming U.S. soccer would work together. It's the USL All-Star team versus the Wooden Spoon winner from the year before. I still think uh, the MLS Wooden Spoon team would beat the USL All-Stars. It's the same debate that you would have of the Jacksonville Jaguars going up against Alabama. The Jaguars would beat There's, Alabama. No, they I, would no, beat no, Alabama I'm not, I'm not times arguing, out of 100. I'm not arguing that point. They would destroy Alabama. There's, you know, like 10 players for Alabama who are pros. Everybody on Jacksonville are prof- – everybody in Jacksonville is professional. I get that. I think that – okay, I'm projecting here. It's either going to be Cincy or Charlotte. I'm think I'm thinking Charlotte, Wooden Spoon. If you take the all-stars, the best of the best of the USL versus them, I don't know. I, I think the USL might – win that like four times out of ten i if think only there was a system where we could compare it what the worst team would be against the best team from the lower division and maybe have them play off and the winner gets the spot in the upper division <laughs> that no no that it's too ludicrous it can't work in this country at all <laughs> listen Come on, I really don't want to get a. I don't want to get a nasty uh, email or DM from the USSF. Come on, <laughs> the USL shut down permanently. <laughs> what I'm trying to think, I haven't done my. I'm trying to think of just because we're talking about USL versus MLS. Legion just played Atlanta United a couple days ago, and let me tell you, hey. Atlanta United actually looks like a real deal team this year. I mean, I know they've made the playoffs these last few years, but let me tell you, they look good, good. Miles Robinson and uh, George Campbell, especially Miles Robinson, he is 
everything that he is, he is said to be. I mean, I was watching him go against some of our guys, and you see what a world-class center back looks like. He is just, I mean, that guy is legit. But I will say this, and I know John's in the chat, uh, John Fuller's in the chat. Um, He has similar comments. If you're looking for a new standout player who's brand new to the league that nobody's heard of, let me tell you, Eddie Horvat is might be standout like newcomer of the year when it comes to when it comes to the USL. He just touched down from Slovenia, I think, or Croatia. I don't remember where because he played in like the second tier of Slovenian uh, football, but he's from Croatia. I don't know which one he came from, which one he was flying from. He just touched down last week. And for a guy who's only been in the U.S. for one week who had never played on turf before, guy looked nuts. Stupid fast, stupid strong, had a knack for goal. Unfortunately for him, Miles Robinson just happened to be the guy man-marking him. I mean, the guy might – I mean, again, I'm biased, but he's going to shock a lot of people, I think. It's interesting always seeing how preseason goes, and it – Every team across U.S. soccer has their own different approach to how they want to go with preseason. Some teams will play a couple games here, and some teams will just want to practice, maybe play a few closed-door friendlies, and then move on into the preseason period. I do feel like there have been some impacts with just how much can you build a squad and get them together within the preseason and have that cohesion and get in that preparation for the season, and that certainly impacts how a team goes across the year you could say that's been one of the detriments for an mls2 side that you don't know who's going to be on the squad until you know you have like that first match for the season for uso because they're still figuring out who's going to be on the mls roster and then you still have that time so you send a player down to the mls2 side it's like a rehab game much like they've done in minor league baseball at the time where you send someone to build up fitness but so that really it impacts the cohesion for the season and it's something that I think every team, there's no right way to do preseason, but there's certainly a wrong way to do it. I will say I learned a lot. Uh, the way that apparently Legion likes to do this, because I asked some of the players, I was like, well, you know, this is only your second friendly, you know, a lot of the guys just got here, like uh, Marlon Santos, the FC Tulsa player. Uh, I meant to mention this to John, um, but Dude literally touched down in Birmingham like an hour or two before a tornado hit. <laughs> like, and then less than four days later, he was playing in a friendly. Um, Mackie Jop, a former Atlanta United 2 player, now Legion player, literally showed up to Birmingham less than 12 hours before before our match against Atlanta United and he still played. It kind of shows you how far along some of these teams uh, MLS are because they're playing in, what is it, like six days now? Um, or whatever. This and it just shows you how far along they are. But also, but like Legion, I said, I was like, you know, you guys is on your second one. And one of the players was like, well, we're going to get a lot of playing time because the way that, Tommy Stone and Jay Heaps like to do this is that we have a match 
every single week leading up to leading up to the regular season. He wants us to be in regular season form by the time we get to the regular season. It's not every two weeks. It's we are we have our weeks lined up like a real regular season, which I think that might be the right way to do it, or maybe that's rushing it. I don't know. I mean, everybody has different thoughts and different opinions, but it makes sense to me. And with the season for USL pretty much beginning here and based on March 12th, that's when we have the official kickoff of the year. It's at this point, you need to have a pretty decent idea of who's on your side because you need that period of time to build up the roster to let them just gel together, let them play matches. Even if it's like a few closed doors games, this is pretty much you need to have a full lineup plus five bench players already on your roster, or at least in the MLS2 case, an idea of who's going to be there. Which is kind of why I made the 90% joke of Vegas. I mean, I guess they have a few players like Deckel Canon, which dude is a wicked good center back. I always liked him. But they kind of have an idea. They kind of don't. The guys like Vegas, it just feels like they're just kind of wandering. And maybe they have a clue, but maybe they don't. I did learn recently, though, and maybe this is a dumb thing to just now realize, but Atlanta United 2 is doing friendlies right now as well, which I didn't even think about the fact that the two teams are having to do friendlies as well as the senior squad. It's just something I never really thought about um john i don't know who legion are playing this weekend um i'm some tells me like in years past it's probably gonna be like teams like peachtree moba or something like that and some usl league tube team or a college team like uab it's not uncommon so that's that would be my guess or maybe even birmingham southern because that's where they were uh doing the other day but i'm not sure um but yeah it just <sighs> It's really interesting that two teams do friendlies. I just never thought about it. It's so obvious, but just never considered it. But I think it'll be interesting with this uh, season that we basically have the two teams, presumably for the last season in USL before they go off to MLS Next. And I'll be curious how MLS Next and will perform this year and just the comparison of just competitive levels of play and what to expect from that. Apparently they're actually going to be streaming all those games on either team websites or the MLS website, which basically it, it harkens back to the era of those old YouTube streams of USL days when, and the chat was going crazy over My specific favorite. players or asking about betting odds from uh, just from the season, from people overseas and stuff. So I did get the message. Now I know you're watching um, at uh, Charm City SG. Okay, Charm City Mob is the SG of Christos. Uh, they keep telling me. They keep telling us, you know, like Christos are going to run, you know, USL League Two. I get it. You're you're the new team. You're the new SG on the block coming into USL League Two. Let me tell you, Des Moines is the real deal. They're repeating this year. And I'm sorry that this is not what you wanted to hear. You come up with awesome kits online. You have a wonderful color uh, scheme with black and green. But Des Moines is the real deal. If Des Moines does not win again, I'd be pretty shocked. But also, who's another team that could probably win lead to? My my heart tells me it's probably uh, 
Oh gosh, what is it? Minneapolis, the Crows. I mean, yeah, Minneapolis City. I mean, they've won, they've won their league what six years in a row at this point. It's something stupid. Pretty competitive team. I'm not saying Christos that you can't do it, but you haven't shown me that you can. Show me something first. Show me something. Here I am cutting promos on a League Two team that I've never watched in person. I'm sure you are all wonderful people. And I'm sure I'm going to get a weird DM eventually from their coach because that's what happens on this show. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just excited to have a season back. Uh, MLS starting this weekend, uh, USO within a few other weeks. Um, and it's just great to have soccer returning in just in season for this country. So... Do you think – oh, also, where's Alan? I think he has some stuff come up today, wasn't able to join. Today was kind of a busy day for everybody. As it turns out, Super 2 2 2 2 2 2 Tuesday was a mm-hmm. uh, big deal for a lot of people. We had to celebrate accordingly. Do you think uh, we'll do anything weird? No. I, I don't know what they could do. That would be just overtly weird besides simply exist, even though half the team's pulled out. Um. I think Detroit City in a match would be weird. Oh, my God. Listen, I want to tread carefully because my DMs cannot handle Detroit City coming after me right now. So, hey, I love you guys. I still think that you guys are going to get uh, Solomon Asante. So, just remember that. I Um, think they'll be a playoff team. I think they might sneak in. Yeah, they just feel like a team that will. But, God, if a USL... If an MLS team two or two team beat them, that'd be oh, it'd be so good. If it was a team like Vegas somehow, oh, the sky would collapse. <laughs> Let me tell you, of all the of all the Open Cup matches, uh, Michigan Stars versus Detroit City. If you're not watching that one, you better be watching your own team's match because that one's going to be spicy. That one, for all the off-field and on-field stuff, that one's going to be spicy, and I'm here for it. But overall, I don't think we'll see anything too strange from any of the MLS two sides in the league. I think it'll be another standard season for them before they move on into MLS next. Uh, Maybe one or two sneaks into the playoffs in the end, but I don't think we'll see anything too crazy like one of them winning the league and then departing the next year. I'd love to see, for old times' sake, a New York Red Bulls to baby try, Bulls, baby Bulls era team to try and just give us one last season of magic. But I'm, I don't think. So. I think we'll have a pretty standard MLS two season, and uh, that'll be that before we go to fully independent teams next year. I believe that would be so baby Bulls to win the league and leave. That'd be the most baby Bulls thing they could do. Add two stars to the crest. They have one already. <laughs> that team was so good. I know we keep spo- like teasing another show that we're planning on doing, but God, they're, they, that team was so good. It was ridiculous. And um, I think those teams stayed in USL this year. That was up to an M- that was, MLS gave them a preference if they wanted to join next or if they wanted to stay this season. And they wanted to stay in this league just due to a higher playing ability than what MLS next is probably going to give. And 
I think a bit more stability. I think even before MLS Next was a thing, there were talks of even if you're going to, even if teams are going to drop out of the league, that the baby bulls and low stokes would still want to keep their teams within USL just because it's a higher playing field and they care about that competition. And they've also been in the league longer than quite many other MLS two sides have been in this league. Yeah. I mean, there's still two sides or U23 sides in League 2 as well. So it's not a complete withdrawal. There's still some remnants here and there. Um, and in WSL now with uh, League W or W League. League W. But anyway. Across MLS, there's teams who do their academies and youth setups well. And there are teams who who don't do it as strongly as others. I do believe we're improving across the country and across the league, but... They're just some teams who put more efforts into their academies than others, and you'll find that across every single sports league across the world. Um, there are a couple um, USL clubs upcoming, but you know we'll we'll see them when they get here. I think the big uh, influx next year is going to be League One teams because there's a good bit of those coming with Lexington if that stadium gets approved. Good stuff, but. That we have talked a whole lot of everything and a whole lot of nothing all at once. Um, Ryan, do you have any departing words for everybody? Just excited to have uh, MLS starting up this week, and I feel like it. Uh, the season is nearly here, guys. Yeah, that's where I am. I feel like we're almost there, about to cross the finish line. Um, I guess my departing thoughts, and this goes for John. Hey, uh, not – the one that was just on, but John Fuller in the chat, stay safe. We're under tornado watches again. So don't get blown away. Um, and if I do get blown away, I'll try to video it and post it on Twitter, I guess, because that makes for good content as being inside of a tornado. So I don't know, do anything for the clicks. Am I right boys? <laughs> um, also a lot of people were not happy about my devil went down the Georgia take. That was a very unpopular one, as I found out through my through my Twitter through my Twitter mentions. That was a very unpopular take. I'm sorry that I'm right, but if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the last episode. If you're in the chat, check out the Discord. It's a good time. If we miss anything about your club, if you want to hear us talk about more about your club, the Discord is the best way to let us know. Um, drop it into our chat. It's super easy to use and it doesn't cost anything. We don't make any money from it. Although discord wants to sponsor us, please. Um, thank you guys so much for watching or listening, whichever way you're doing it. Hope you have a wonderful day. Stay safe. And, uh, that's been the USL show. Thanks guys. <laughs>